Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I want to share a message with you today about breath, about the power of breath, the importance of breath. And I, I do have to give a confession because um, I'm actually really feeling it right now. We, we, we came back from holiday and just for whatever reason, I've decided just to do a reset on certain areas of my life. And I am now three days without coffee. And I wasn't feeling too bad until I, I, I got up for this moment and I was thinking, man, most Sundays I've had three espressos by now. Yes. <laughs> But it's because I've had a high threshold for caffeine. And so, you know what? It's actually a little bit more daunting getting up without caffeine coursing through my veins. <laughs> it's so interesting. No, it's so good. And we, we had a fantastic time. We, we Like Rihanna mentioned, went to Bali. And um, there was something that happened in Bali that got me thinking about the power of breath. And uh, we're blessed to go. And we had a fantastic time of eating, sleeping, and the kids just lived in the pool. They swam every day. As soon as they got up, morning swims. As soon as they had breakfast, after breakfast swims. As soon as they had lunch, after lunch swims. As soon as they had dinner, evening swims. They were in that pool on five separate occasions every day. They loved every minute of it. But on the first day of arrival, they hadn't been swimming for a little while. And so my eldest Liam, he's there ready to go. Zoe, our middle, she's there ready to go. And Flynn, our youngest, who was all of five years old and enthusiasm. May look like he's seven, but he's five years old and enthusiasm. Is a decent swimmer for his age. Lines up, sees the deep end and just runs and jumps in without abandon. Now I'd seen him swimming around summertime and his swimming had gotten so good that I wasn't too worried. He jumps in there and I'm there looking over. I wasn't ready to swim. They were ready. The moment we set foot on that place, they were ready to swim. And he jumps in the pool And there you can see him just bobbling under the surface. Now, my mind was clear. He's gonna gonna bust through. Come on, he can do this. No. No. And and it was sort of like that that sense of hope was there because you could see him paddling away under the water. Like like just mitzing out. He's there. But he's not, he's not, he's not thrashing, so he's not panicking. So he's got this. Because this will be a great moment. His head will bust through and I say, well done, Flynn. But it didn't bust through. <laughs> and he's there and then it finally clicked. He's not going to bust through. And so I did the thing that I've seen done before, but I've never actually done it myself. I jumped into a pool fully clothed. <laughs> I jumped in, lifted him up. And as soon as I lifted him up, he looked me in the eyes and he said, <clears throat> let go of me. <laughs> And you know what? He didn't have any problem after that. He was just, just need to get his sea legs back. (laughs) Man, I was panicking. I was panicking because breath is actually important. (laughs) And I was reminded of, boy, if my boy doesn't get a breath anytime soon, I don't have a boy anymore. But breath is important. And the need to breathe is critical to life. And throughout Scripture, 
there's these thoughts that come up about the need, not just for natural breath, but the breath of God on us and the difference that that produces to our lives. And so I wanted to take the moment to unpack a portion of Scripture that you may have heard of before if you've been around church. I've got to be honest, I've never actually preached on it myself, but about the importance of breath. I want to unpack with us today Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 to 14. I want you to listen to this and I want to take us on a journey into the power of living life with the breath of God in us. So listen to this out of Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me and He brought me out by His Spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Then He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. Then he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I'll put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you so that you can come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then He said to me, son of man, these bones are the house, the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, look How they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle in you, in your land, your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of God. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture. It's beautiful because we have insight into a vision. We have insight into what somebody has seen God show them. And the person that we're invited into as if we're a close confidant is a man named Ezekiel. I love the name Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived during a time in the history of God's people where they had lost everything. See, Ezekiel was a priest. His role was to serve in the temple of God on behalf 
of God's people, to, to allow people to engage with God through His service. He was a servant to the people. But during the time of Ezekiel, the temple had been destroyed because God's people had been overwrought and overrun because they had spent generations before that moving away initially ever so slightly from what God had called them to be and who He'd made them to be. And they'd been captivated and caught up with the nations around them. And they, instead of becoming an influence to everywhere around them, they became the ones influenced and they became less than what they were. And so in that, in that time, Ezekiel is living and ministering and God allows another nation, Babylon, to rise up and desolate the entire land because they had walked away from God's protection. It's not as if God Himself didn't love them and He desperately loved them, but they had intentionally chosen to walk away. And in walking away, they had walked away from His hand of grace that was covering them. And Ezekiel's there living and serving in a temple, helping people encounter God for themselves. And all of a sudden there's no temple left. There's even no city left. There's no Jerusalem. There's, no, there's nothing left. And what happens is, Many of the people are caught up and taken into exile. They've stripped from their homeland. They had a home, but they're taken to a place that is not their home. And Ezekiel is ministering in a time where he knew what they'd come out of, but all of a sudden they're in something totally new and it's not what they expected. And Ezekiel is called to bring life into this moment. Can you imagine being called like Ezekiel to stand up in front of people and instill hope in them in the midst of the most hopeless situation. People didn't know where to turn to. They didn't know what to do. But in the midst of that season of life, the Word of God sprung up. And it was words like this, this vision, this picture, this image that God had not finished with His people. He sees this valley of dry bones. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you've seen a mass grave or bones like that. I, I, I have, unfortunately. See, Rhiannon and I spent a season of our life living in a Southeast Asian nation called Cambodia. And Cambodia in 1975 to 1979 had a third of its entire population wiped out through a genocide, through members of their own nation rising up and executing other members. And it got so bad that in certain parts of Cambodia, especially just outside the capital city, Phnom Penh, there was this area that was marked the killing fields. And what they would do in the killing fields is because see, the, the ruling people at the time, the Khmer Rouge, Khmer means Cambodian, Rouge means red, the red Cambodians, they had an a, a, a ideology, a, a belief system that if you weren't able to contribute to society, you were worth nothing. And so what they had is a belief system that was built on the idea that everybody needs to be equal. So everybody will be an equal rice farmer. Can you imagine that? Whatever you're trained to do, whatever you're gifted to do, could you imagine being taken from your home in 1975? You're cooking dinner and then you're stripped from your home and you're taken right out into the wilderness and you've been told, here's your new life, become a rice farmer. And if you couldn't do it, they would execute you. Because their whole system of belief was built on this idea 
that you are only as good to the nation as to what you could produce for it. And so there was this section in Phnom Penh called the Killing Fields where they would take people regularly and they didn't want to waste bullets on them. So they'd line people up and execute them in a row in the most ungodly fashions. And they wouldn't even bury them. They just put them in open graves. So years and years and years later to today, you could go to Phnom Penh today, jump in a tuk-tuk, a motorcycle with a carriage behind it, spend a 45-minute ride to go out to the edge of the city and what you'll be exposed with is the exposed mass graves of thousands upon thousands of people who died. And I've got to say, as somebody who's literally seen that, it takes your breath away. I mean, I, I remember the first time. Actually, I've got to say, I've only ever been there once. We lived in the nation for seven years. I only ever went once. I think it's a site that you only ever need to see once if you need to see it. And we saw it and it took my breath away. Now I can just imagine being Ezekiel, being caught up by God, being led to see a vision. And he sees a vision of a valley of dry bones. And I could just imagine having his breath taken away, having lost everything that they've lost. Here he is on the edge seeing a vision from God that isn't necessarily something that looks in the moment encouraging. It's something that causes the very breath in him, I imagine, just to go. But in that moment, and in the unpacking of this Scripture, you get to see the heart of God is one who would bring hope into hopeless situations. I want to say to you today that whatever situation you're in or coming through, have come out of or feel that you're enduring right now, there is a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit available for you. That He can revive you no matter where you are at so that you can bring into the situation that looks like death, life. And I see that in the vision of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 37 verse 1, it, unpacks this idea, the hand of the Lord was on me and He brought me out by His Spirit and He sent me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And He led me. He led me. This idea of being led. Led by God. Not just, not just living our lives going from one moment to the next, making it up as we go, but there's a leading that can come by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that leads us into uncomfortable circumstances. But those uncomfortable circumstances, God uses to grow us like nothing else. I'm sure Ezekiel there on the edge of everything that they've experienced would love nothing more than to turn around and leave that valley behind. But he is led by God to go around it. And what he sees, he sees dry bones. Dry bones means that there had been a, a battle, a massive battle that had taken place, a forgotten battle, which had meant that these people who had fallen, had fallen in such a way that there was nobody left to bury them. And they were just exposed. Talk about hopeless. Not only are they forgotten, but they're exposed. And then they're left to go dry. This had happened a long time ago. And Ezekiel is led by God and he sees this. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry, forgotten, 
left to be neglected. Verse three, then he said to me, God said to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Can you imagine having a conversation with God and you're asked something like that? You're standing there with God and you're seeing everything that's laid out. And this is, this is the most hopeless thing I've ever seen. And God's having a conversation with you and He says, hey, Ezekiel, mate, what do you reckon? There we go. God speaks like an Ocarozzi. It comes out more when you go overseas. I don't know about you. When I go overseas, the good days come out. I don't usually use the good days. It's weird. And God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And the automatic answer that I would give is, <laughs> no way. But Ezekiel gives the greatest answer anybody of faith can give is he puts it right back into the lawn. Instead of being in the position to say that I know everything. Instead of being in a position to say, I know exactly what's going. No, God, let me tell you. Come on, God, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen here. He gives the best answer anybody in faith can give. Lord, you know. Lord, you know. In, in that answer, Ezekiel's unpacking this idea that even though he is a priest without a temple, He's still serving God on behalf of those around Him. That He has not lost His faith in the midst of it. Even though He's standing there in the valley of dry bones. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You're standing in broken dreams. You're standing in forgotten ways. You're standing in things that have been lost along the way. And I don't know what answer you would want to give, but it'd be so easy for me to say, can this live it? No, it can't. Tried and it failed. But Ezekiel is still a priest representing the heart of God to the people. And he responds in faith. You know, Lord. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy. You know that word prophesy means to come under the influence of a spirit. Now, there's a lot of things in our world that we can come under the influence of. There's a lot of things that we can come under the influence of that actually make us less than what we're meant to be. That if we engage with certain substances too much, we become less than what we are. We come under the influence of something and in coming under the influence of something, we become constrained and held back. That fear and fear of what other people will think about us can become an influence onto us that constrains us. And it's interesting that God says to Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy. Prophesy means come under the influence. I want you to come under my influence. As we're at this midway point in the year, I wanna challenge you. Imagine standing on the edge Imagine getting up tomorrow and looking at the rest of the year in your heart and looking out in faith and prophesying. And choosing to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life instead of the influence of all the things that would reach over and above. Imagine living life in such a way that you are able to see life spoken in where others would say there's death. What are you under the influence of? Ezekiel, prophesy. Come under my influence. Prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
They can't hear. They got nothing to hear, but Ezekiel grabs hold of faith and he takes hold of these words, dry bones, hear the Word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I'll put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The key thing that Ezekiel was called to prophesy was breath. Breath was what he was called to stand on the edge of the hopelessness and the despair and the brokenness and the disappointment. To come under the influence of God and speak breath. That, that word breath there in the original language of the Hebrew is the word ruach. And it pops up all throughout the Old Testament. And sometimes it's translated wind. Sometimes it's translated spirit. But often it's translated breath. And we see the first mention of it comes out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says this, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. See, there's a, there's a breath that we take naturally, but there's a breath that we desperately need to receive from God. That each and every one of us, if we're going to live our life in this desolate wasteland, in this place where our hopes and dreams can be destroyed and cast aside so easily, that we desperately need to put ourselves in a position where we, each and every one of us can receive the breath of God for ourselves. Ezekiel comes under the influence of God. Wouldn't it have been easier to get caught up in the narrative of those that were caught up in exile? Ezekiel had a good life back in Jerusalem. He was a priest. He may have even had a decent car, a decent house, everything. And then that's all stripped away and he has nothing. He has nothing but the opportunity to come under the influence of his circumstances or the influence of the Spirit of God. That he could have lived his life under the influence of his circumstances, which I think is the compelling narrative that is so easy for every single one of us to take hold of. Where we, we live in broken dreams and we seem to regurgitate that and we're just living off a dead breath. Instead of grabbing hold of the truth that God wants to inject life in us. But the important thing is that it didn't come from Ezekiel alone. It came from the fact that he was able to meet with God, hear from Him and re re release, exile what God had given him. So I want to challenge you, if you want to restart your year, if you want to renew, if you want to be able to power on and see this year as the greatest that God has ever given you, it starts with our willingness to receive from Him. Our willingness to come to Him and live a life that says, without Him, we are nothing. Without Him, I have nothing to give. Nothing of my own. Anything that I can do of my own will just end up into a valley of dry bones. But if I can, if I can, if I can in the midst of it all, come to Him and breathe, allow Him to breathe into me then I have something to give that nothing can take away. Ezekiel is called to prophesy breath. And so in verse seven, it says, So I, Ezekiel, prophesied as I had been commanded. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise, 
a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. It's interesting that Ezekiel had the faith to respond to God, to see things fit together. And I don't know about you, but I find I live that way sometimes. It's a strange thing. I don't know if this works for you, but sometimes I have the faith to get things moving. Sometimes I have the faith or the best intentions to go about my days with intentionality. Sometimes I have the best intentions to get this going or to know that this is important, that I need to do this. And I don't know, procrastination. Sometimes I get the spark of inspiration. I can even overcome procrastination. Sometimes. And I can get things moving. But if it's all on me, it runs out of puff. See, if I'm living life just off me, just getting things together and just it's, it's in order and, and it, it's how it needs to be and I just get things moving that way and it's all dependent upon me, sooner or later I run out of energy. Sooner or later it's too hard. Sooner or later I don't have enough to give. Sooner or later I get depleted and when I get depleted, I get more depleted. And when I get more depleted, I get more depleted. I don't know if you get caught in this trap. And I, and I live this life of lack and I, I, I go to sleep and I wake up and feel like I haven't slept. Have you ever felt like that? And it's like, you've got everything there, but there's something more needed. I have the best intentions. I have the, the, the best understanding, but there's, there's something needed. In Ezekiel's case, he had prophesied everything came together. The bones, the, the, the bones, the bone, the tendons, the flesh, the skin, they were all there ready to go. No longer was it a valley of dry bones. It was a valley of bodies with nothing. Skin. Hopefully they were covered appropriately. They're laying on the ground. All this potential, all this availability, but it needed more. What did it need? In verse eight, as I, in verse nine, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, This is what the Lord God says Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into those slain so that they may live. Now it's important to note there, these slain. The valley of dry bones had been there because these people have failed. They'd gotten slain. They had lost. They had been beaten. But in their failure, God positions Ezekiel to speak life. I don't care how much of a failure you feel today. There is life that God wants to speak into your heart so that you can live from a different life source. You don't live from the memory of defeat, of all the things lost, of this valley that's behind us, but instead you grab hold of the breath that God has for you today because that is life. In Ezekiel's case, so I prophesied in verse 10, as He commanded me, the breath entered them and they came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. Then He said to me, Son of man, these bones 
of the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. God shows Ezekiel there, I think, the meaning behind the vision. See, it's a vision. It's as if Ezekiel has seen a 3D movie and he's been put into the motions. And he sees the valley of dry bones knit together and he sees life inserted into them. But then he sees them stand up. And the moment they stand up, they start speaking. And what do they say? They start speaking what caused them to die in the first place. They start speaking what had caused them to lose their way. It's interesting that they're all put back together and life has been inserted into them. And the moment they start to speak, they start speaking the very thing that brought death to them. See, they were the house of Israel. They were the people of God. But here's what they said. Here was the narrative that was on their lips. Our bones are dried up and our hope has perished and we are cut off. And what if because they kept on saying that generation after generation, we are dried up, we are cut off, we are dried up, we are cut off, we are dried up, we are cut off. They lost because their words. Instead of speaking life, they spoke death. And what if the entire valley of dry bones didn't lose because the enemy came and beat them? They lost because they stood there and started saying amongst themselves a narrative. We're dried up, we're cut off. 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 And they killed themselves with their own words. Do you know that we can live like that today? It's shocking how easy it is to live like that today. I'm disgusted in myself that it is so easy for me when under points of pressure to start talking like I'm in the valley of dry bones. I'm dried up. I'm cut off. I'm without hope. Do you know that word hope in the original language? It means inspiration. It means something to look forward to. But in its original language, here's what it means, a cord that joins you to your future. And without hope, we have nothing to hold on to. And when we have nothing to hold on to, we perish. Isn't it interesting that Ezekiel is there to bring life and the moment breath comes into their bodies, they use their breath to speak death over themselves. If we are called to be truly a people that take ground for our prayer and worship, to be a people who are empowered to live the life that God has set for us to live, we have to understand this first and foremost, that before we deal with an enemy outside of us, we have to overcome the enemy within. That too easily we are our own worst enemies that we put ourselves in positions too easily and too often that take our breath away. And instead of being able to then engage with the breath of God to bring life, we start a narrative, a cycle that is hopeless and cut off. And the challenge is, how do you engage with the breath of life? Verse 12, if we're going to ask the worship team to come and join me. says this, Therefore prophesy and say to them. It's interesting that God doesn't take their narrative as the final. 
It's interesting that God doesn't allow the fact that they've been brought back to life and revived and no longer are they a valley of dry bones. They're now a valley of broken hearts. And God has one more prophecy for Ezekiel. This is the third time He's called Ezekiel to prophesy. It's not just once, three times. For every problem that they face, God said to Ezekiel, prophesy. For every problem, you're standing on the valley of dry bones and all you're seeing is death, prophesy life. And they come back together. And when they come back together, they're not standing up. And God says, well, you face another problem, prophesy again, prophesy breath. And when they prophesy breath, they stand up and they start speaking negative narratives over themselves. Third problem, so God says to Ezekiel, prophesy one more time. So when we face problems, I wonder if the most powerful thing any one of us can do is to stand at the edge of the problem and prophesy. If you remember, prophecy means to come under the influence. What are you under the influence of? What are you willing to be under the influence of? And when we prophesy life, we see the Spirit of God work in and through us. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I'm the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit, there's that word breath again, in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. No longer will you be homeless. No longer will you be desolate. No longer will you be lost. I put my Spirit in you. You will live and I will settle you. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to run headlong into Babylon demanding what was yours back again. You don't have to pick up your own weapon here. Allow me to settle you back there. I know you lost it. I know, I know, I know hopelessness set in. I know that you feel desolate. I know that you feel dry. I know, but if you allow me to breathe over you and have my spirit in you, I will bring you back to life. And if I bring you back to life, then allow me to settle you, settle you. I will settle you back in your land. Flinny was under the water, moving and shaking, and it wasn't getting him anywhere. He was sinking slowly. He just didn't know it. All that movement, all that energy, all that expenditure was not getting him to break through the surface. Was he doing the wrong thing? No, he was doing what his body was responding to, but it wasn't enough. He needed, he needed somebody to come in underneath him to lift him up so that he could break the surface again. Some of you right here today need to know that there's the hand of God moving by His breath to come in and lift you up so you can break the surface and take a deep breath to move on into what He's calling you into. My people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you. You will live and I will settle you in your own land. 
then you will know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I'll do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. You know, there's this interesting guy who was popular a few years ago, was bouncing around. You may have heard of him. He's called Wim Hof. One of the coolest names in the world. And Wim Hof popularised the, the cold plunge thing. Have you seen people jumping in ice baths of water? And Has anybody ever done that? Yeah, I know a few have. Come on. I saw kind of you pumping. Yeah, man. Brings me back to life. Jumping in the bucket of ice water. And it was all popularised by this guy, Wim Hof, who got big a few years ago. And his whole thing is, he's a crazy man. He'll walk into the snow with shorts and a singlet and just live the whole day walking around. He does it, it's real. And his secret power, you wanna know what his superpower is? Breath. He just, he just breathes. He just breathes these really deep breaths. And it just, it looks ridiculous, but he, he, he's got this way about him where you can, oh, you get all this oxygen saturated. I don't know, there's something scientific about it. But anyway, he can walk around in the snow and it not affect him because he's breathing. And you think how powerful natural breath is when applied in a certain way that it brings life. Imagine what it is to grab hold of the breath of God and apply it to your situation and your circumstance today. To stand on the edge and to say, I'm not gonna accept things the way that they are, that I'm gonna see God breathe life and I'm gonna grab that breath and then I'm gonna start speaking words of life. Yes. I'm gonna allow my words to reflect the heart of God. So your words are carried by your breath. Without breath, you can't speak. But if we're speaking words of death over our situations, circumstances, those around us, what God has called us into, then we're not drawing on the breath of God. We're drawing on the breath of brokenness, the breath of decay, the breath of desolation, of depletion and lack. But there is a breath of God available for every one of us that as we grab hold of Him, we can stand in our situation and circumstances and say, God, You move. Move through me, I'm available. I love Ezekiel's story because God didn't do it apart from him. He did it through him. He invited Ezekiel to come under his influence and prophesy not once, not twice, but three times for every problem that he faced. And I know some of us are wary from all the problems. We just face problem after problem after problem after problem. But if you live in that, you will perish. So prophesy life. Stand on the edge of the valley of dry bones and refuse to live there to see the life of God take place. Final Scripture for you as we bring this to a close. In John 20, chapter 19, we're given a snapshot moment after Jesus had been unfairly put on trial, punished for no crime, sentenced to death, died on a cross. And His disciples are shattered and filled with fear and lack and loss. They're in a dry bone moment themselves. This man we've been following, the one who says He is the Son of God, God in human flesh, the one everybody was waiting for, the one they were all looking forward to, the one that we were following is dead. He's dead. And everything in Him, everything in us is dead as well. And it says in John 20, 
chapter 19. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. They feared repercussion coming to them. They were living by fear. We're dried up here, guys. We're dried up. There's no life in us. We've lost all hope. Could you imagine the narrative in the room as they go around and around and they're feeding on each other? The door's locked. We're not letting anything in. We're going to wallow in our own self-pity. And it says, Jesus came. Jesus, Jesus comes into that. Jesus comes into death, stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Having said this, He showed them His hands and His side. Why did He do that? To show them that He had suffered, but His suffering did not keep Him down. He is resurrected to life. He bears in His body the suffering that He took for our cause, but that was not enough to hold Him back. That in fact, it's the reason why He can stand before all of us and invite us into relationship with Him because He bears in His body the price purchased for us. He took it all so that we could take life in Him. And verse 21, verse 20, having said this, He showed them His hands and His side so that the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after saying this, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As we stand at the midpoint of the year, I want to invite you to receive the breath of God, to receive the impartation, the empowerment that comes from outside of you, but comes to live in you. You are a part of the story of God. He is working through you and desires to allow you to come under His influence so that you can prophesy over every valley of dry bones you come across. Let me pray right now. Father God, I just ask that You would open us up. Open up our airways. Open up our spiritual diaphragm. Open up our heart, Lord God, so that we can receive everything that You have for us. Lord God, I repent, Lord God, of times we've tolerated the narrative of we're dried up, we have nothing. And hopelessness has settled in. And instead, Father God, we take hold of the truth that You are the one who is breathing life into us even now. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.